Thank you for listening to the podcast of Dublin Bible Church. All right. I was, I was going to say, is this thing on? I didn't know. Um, well, today is a, a great day, and I, I do I say this a lot, but I think it's a great day just when we can gather. Um, we live in a country that, 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 that we have freedom to be able to worship the way that we're doing in, in the way that, that we see fit, in the way that honors Jesus. And, um, and I think for all of us to come together, we should do a lot of celebrating, um, not just our freedoms, but also what the Lord's doing in, in our lives, um, in, in the lives of our kids, um, in, in the lives of marriages and and relationships are being restored and and children are being reared up in a godly way and uh, you know what can we just can we just praise Jesus one more time for what he's doing please see I love it because I can't take any of the credit right I can't take any of the credit I, I'm not I'm not the one doing it he is um, and and yet he chooses to use people like me and people like you to forward his plan um well, this morning, as we're just kind of celebrating uh, this, the idea of moving up, uh, I thought I would just kind of tell you a story from um, the times when I, or in the years of raising my kids. And when we had our first child, and, and my first child is the drummer, um, he is 18, he's no longer a child, he's, he's a full-grown man, but when he was like, you know, through the infant stage, it's like every birthday when we started out, we thought every birthday should be huge. And like the first birthday was like big. And then and then you got to the second birthday and it was a little bit bigger. And then we actually got to the pinnacle of all birthdays. You can't even top this with your kids. We got in, in year three, we had a birthday party that was bigger than any other birthday party, certainly that any three-year-old ever deserves or could even imagine or remember for that matter. And back in, in, in those times when Austin was really, really young, he loved fire trucks. As a matter of fact, as a memorial to that time of, of development, um, we have taken, and they're like falling apart, these plastic um, firefighter boots that he used to wear as a little bitty kid. We still have them, the, the shards of them, uh, up, in, uh, up in the attic. But he loved fire trucks, and he loved firemen. So we thought, well, you know what? We're parents, and we want to set the bar for all parents for all time, and we certainly wanted to do it bigger than our friends and our, our family had done. So we thought, okay, we're going to have a third birthday party that is just going to blow people's minds. So we invited all the family. We went to the park. They had this big building. It's called the Chautauqua Building. I don't know why they called it that, but that's what it's called. It's huge. So everybody comes out to the Chautauqua Building. We've got it all decorated up. He could care less. We've got it all decorated up. Everybody's in there. The whole family's together. All our friends are in there. And everything is fireman-related. Everything. He's dressed like a fireman. There was a fireman cake. There was fireman decorations. We were talking about firemen. He wanted to be a fireman. He wanted everybody to be firemen. And if we, they weren't firemen, then he was going to convince them that they should be. So my dad, at this party, had this great, great, great idea. He said... Why don't I talk to a friend of mine who's a fireman, and for his third birthday party, let's have a fire truck actually at his birthday party. Mind you, he's three. 
Okay, so we have this fire truck that comes up, like the party's going on and everything's great, and then the fire truck comes up to the Chautauqua building, like in super slow mo, and then it's coming up, and everybody's oohing and on. And I know that there are some parents who have been down this road before. They're thinking, "What are you doing, parents? You're setting a precedent that you cannot follow after." But never mind those people. We're sitting there, and it's coming in super slow mo, and the fire truck, and it comes up, and it sits in a spot right in front of our party. Now, there were other people in the Chautauqua building because it was big, but their party wasn't near as big as ours. And they didn't have a fire truck like we had a fire truck. They had fire truck envy. I know they did. I could see it in their eyes. But, you know, that was like the magnum opus of birthday parties. And it was huge. And then we realized something like that day, what could we possibly do again that would ever come to that level of a birthday party? And since then, we've actually been throttling back birthday parties. And now we hand our kids cupcakes and say, happy birthday, go to school, you know. But, but we celebrate milestones, don't we? Birth. That's a big day. Birthdays are big days. We celebrate those things, and we should. Many of you, you, you you've celebrated things like, like, like your your daughter may be in dance, and if they get that perfect routine, and they've worked so hard for it, and here comes the recital, and everything happens, and now they, they finally get that routine down, and they twirl and do whatever dancers do, and it's just amazing, and, and mom and dad sit back, and we're just in awe and say, wow, that was amazing, and then we celebrate that, don't we? In times like that, we, we go have ice cream afterward, at least my family does when we do stuff like that. We go have ice cream and just kind of talk about how great it was, just kind of hang on to the moment. And yet, if, if you have a, a son or daughter who's in baseball or softball, kind of the same thing happens. Maybe, maybe your child's in a slump like mine was this year. Uh, my daughter was in, in softball through the rec league, and she was kind of in a slump for much of the year. But there was a day where she got a hit, and her parents went crazy in the stands because she got a hit. We celebrated that. And I think that's cool. We should celebrate that stuff. We, we celebrate, man, my, you know, your kid made A, B, honor roll. Maybe your kid passed. I don't know. It depends on where you are with all that. You know, or maybe straight A's. And we sit back and we, what do we do? We celebrate that stuff. My question for you is what spiritual milestones do you celebrate? What, what do you celebrate? When it comes to spiritual development with your kids, do you celebrate anything? It's a tough question, isn't it? We're so used to celebrating and really over-celebrating some things, like you've heard me say, and yet when it comes to things that really matter, things that are eternal, baseball's not eternal. It's not. Softball, not eternal. But when it comes to things that, that are eternal, that go on throughout the ages, through eternity, 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 way beyond this earth, do we celebrate them in the way that we should? It's a tough question. It's a tough question. And yet, many of us, we sit back and we say, well, what do I celebrate? I mean, how do I celebrate? What, what, what is to be celebrated? And today's message from the book of Joshua, it's in the Old Testament, just a couple books in. I, I hope that, that God's word would kind of wash over you, that you would find some ways and maybe some sticking points in your life so you can sit back, even on this text or this message, that you'd be able to say, wow, here are some things that I can, I can incorporate into my life in raising kids, some spiritual milestones that are here that are worth celebrating. 
Because I'm convinced that many of us don't know what to celebrate. We want to. But we don't know what to celebrate. We don't even know how. Maybe because the example that was set for you, maybe you weren't even, you didn't grow up in church. Maybe this is like, this is like your first day in church. And I would say, welcome. You know, it's awesome that you're here. And yet many of us, maybe you didn't grow up in church. So you're like, you're, you feel like you're, you feel like you're a little kid in Jesus right now. And you're like, what could I possibly give my kids when I myself haven't received much? Tough questions, but there's hope. The book of Joshua is an interesting book of the Bible because pretty much the first five books of the Bible, um, the law section, it, it kind of explains some important things and it kind of shows this cycle of the, the people of Israel like, hey, G- yeah, yeah, God, we love you. And then God says, hey, do this. And they're like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. And then God says, hey, I want you to do this. And they're like, okay. And then, and then two seconds later, and it's really this way throughout the Old Testament, they sit back and say, no, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And then when God says, hey, here's what's going to happen. If you do what I'm asking you to do, you're going to get blessings. But if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then bad things are going to happen. And then if you, if you should really read the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, and then the people pout. If you think your kids pout, these people pout so much worse than what your kids pout sometimes. And, and they, uh, the, the people, they were God's people. God was walking with them, sharing with them, giving them hope and giving them everything they needed, and yet they were still not satisfied. So they had this big roller coaster. And as the roller coaster came along, they finally were at a place where they could receive God's blessing. And the book of Joshua is an incredible book because it is a book of hope because all of the, the promises that had really been, been given to the, to the Israelites were, were coming into fulfillment. Uh, the, the promises that w- had been generations before with Abraham, now they were finally receiving this promised land. And it was a land that was, un- that was unlike any other land that they had gone into. And they were given this land. And there was a miracle that would happen because there was this great, there was this, this river. And at times it would grow, it would grow like wildly, wildly. It would be different in different seasons. And in the dry season, it, it wouldn't be much more than a trickle. But in the flood stages, it would be very, very, very immense. And God did an incredible work. Just before where we're going to jump in. He did an incredible work and he performed a miracle. That the people stood on, on the, the, the riverbank and God moved the water, dried it up so the Israelites could walk across. And as soon as they got on the other side, the water came back rushing. And it says that the water wasn't a trickle. This isn't like the creek that you grew up with, that you grew up around, where you could, like, if you were like me, you kind of jump rock to rock to get to the other side. This river was at flood stage. It took an overwhelming miracle of God for them to do what it is that they were able to do. And God didn't want them to forget it. He wanted them to have a way. To, to create a spiritual milestone that generations would be able to go back and they would be able to reflect on that day. Because he knew that the generations to come would need the hope and they would need the reminder of how faithful God is. This is what it says. Joshua verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal 
the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. So he had taken these, these stones out of the Jordan River. Gilgal is on the other side of the river. They already passed through on dry land. Now they're on the other side of the river. They're at this place called Gilgal. I'm glad I don't live in Gilgal. That would be really weird to say a lot. But they're on the other side, and God had told them to grab these stones that would become a spiritual milestone. Again, verse 20, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, get that, maybe you want to underline it in your Bible, I don't know. In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Why are they here? What's the point of the stones? Tell them in verse 22, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He Get this in verse 24. He did this so that all of the peoples, all of the peoples, were part of that crew, that all of the peoples of the earth, might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So the point of the stones that they were to take from the dry riverbed and they were trying to put on the other side of the river is so the people for generations to come would be able to go back to those stones and say, why were those stones there? Oh yeah, the, the reason why they're there is because there was this day, there was this moment, there was this milestone for the people of Israel, and now we reflect upon this moment because God showed up in a huge way. God said that He was going to do it, and He proved that He was faithful, and now this milestone is here for generation to generation to generation, and pass this down. Pass this down. That's the point. Spiritual milestones. Milestones enhance communication. They enhance communication. And it helps us establish a pattern, the way, uh, just a help to raising our kids. Whether you are, you are, you are given kids to, to raise by necessity or you know, or by, by birth and, and that God allowed you to bring them into the earth, it's the same thing. Milestones enhance communication. They enhance it. They help it. This milestone, they would always be able to go back to those stones and say, that's what happened. When we create spiritual milestones for our kids, when we celebrate things like like when our child got baptized, when our, our child received Jesus, when our, our child got their first Bible, the, maybe the first Bible study that they initiated on their own without your help. Those are spiritual milestones. Maybe it's in a time where, where they're, they're in, the, in, the, in the years of their teenage years and they have a job. A spiritual milestone is this, and it's, it's something that's often glossed over. Maybe a spiritual milestone in that setting is they've earned some money, and now they're actually going to give back a percentage as to what they've earned. Wouldn't that be amazing if you would have learned that when you were 17 and 18? Those are spiritual milestones. 
We should stop and we should praise God. Maybe a spiritual milestone for you, a place where you just, it would enhance communication so you'd be able to sit back and you would be able to speak into them and say, hey, uh, this, is, this is what I see in you. This is, I see these changes in you and I remember the day that you did this and I remember the day that you did that and remember when you made that wise choice. You see, a spiritual milestone is, is a space and time that you can go back to that you can bring your kids to. Because they want to know that they're growing in Jesus too. Don't you? Don't you? You want to know. I want to know. How am I doing today? Am I growing today? Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm exploding in growth and other times I feel like I'm in the pit. I'm just being real. But as parents, our primary, primary responsibility is to raise up godly kids. That's our, that's our primary responsibility. Not to raise ball players. Not to raise dancers. Not, to, not so, you know, so your, your child can play D1 ball. It's, as parents, our, our primary responsibility is to raise up godly kids. That's it. We have to be able to communicate through those stages. A milestone creates opportunities. And, and I would say this just as a help. Maybe for you, maybe you've lost some time already. And maybe you sat back and you're like, man, you're, just, you're giving me a lot and I understand it's important, but I haven't done it. I would say it, it's super easy. to. You can't necessarily hit the reset button and undo everything that you've done, but you can sure make a difference today by starting today. You can. It enhances communication. This was supposed to be a generational thing. It establishes a pattern. And this communication, this spiritual milestone also does this. This is profound. Listen to me. It's profound. You see, this also bridges church and home. This allows your kids to be raised up in a, in, in a way that they understand that you don't just come to church and punch a clock on Sunday morning from 11 to 12 and you've done what you're supposed to and if the preacher goes long, it's 12.15 or 12.20, which I'm inclined to do from time to time. But you see, these spiritual milestones give an opportunity for this communication and they bridge the gap between church and home and that, that allows you to have conversation with them about what they're doing and what they're learning in church. That's what these create, the communication, so that they are raised up in even a better way than we were. As great as your parents were, they made mistakes, right? Right? Second thing is this, milestones give you a plan. They give you a plan saying, hey, I can do this. Many of us in, in this room who are parents and we've maybe gone through the parenting years and we've sat back and we said, man, I just, I just don't know what to do. Have you ever said that? Raise your hand if you've ever said that. You're like, I don't know what to do. I just, I don't know what to do. These milestones create a plan. This is, in, in, for generations, they were to go back here and this was the plan. Hey, God is huge. God is bigger than you. God will show up if you trust him. That's what the plan was for them. And when we create spiritual milestones and it opens lines of communication, it gives us a plan. I have to tell you this. Listen to me. Hope is not a plan. If you're clinging to hope, like, I hope my kids turn out okay, and I hope they stay in church, and I, I, hope, they have, I hope they have good influences when they go to school, and I hope, that's not a plan. Those, 
Those are virtues. And, and, and you know what? Hope is a good thing. It's a very godly thing. It's a very Bible thing. But it takes more than hope to raise godly kids. Because as the years progress, if we don't, if we don't um, take a proactive approach, the conversation minimizes, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Parents who, who've walked through the years of, of adolescence, the preteen years, middle school years, oh, the middle school years, and then the high school years. You see, the tendency is if we're not proactive, those things will decrease. But you want better for your kids. I want better for my kids. So we're going to be proactive. These milestones give you a plan. They give you a plan to say, hey, when, when they're doubting certain things and when they're doubting their walk with God and they're doubting if they've made the right decision, you can reflect upon these spiritual milestones to say, hey, remember back when you did this? I just want you to know, honey, you're going, on, you're, you're, you're going in the right direction. Pal, you're, you're doing the right thing. Just keep going. God is leading you in that direction. Trust in Him. He is faithful. That's why the milestones are there. So if they fall back, they don't fall all the way back. They just fall back one level. And then the parents encourage them and say, no, 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 no. Here we go. Let's take a little bump. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. God was faithful. You listened. You obeyed. Blessing follows obedience. You obeyed. You were blessed. You moved. God's shown his faithfulness. It gives you a plan. Hope is not a plan. Third thing is this. Milestones give parents a way to address spiritual and developmental needs. That's what they do. Big picture. That's, that's what they do. They give you a way to address spiritual and developmental needs. So you'd be able to sit back and do you realize that, that it is possible to, to look upon someone's life and to see if they're growing spiritually? Many of you don't know this because you don't do it amongst yourselves. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not picking at you, but many, many people who would hear this message online or who are in this space today, they don't have those conversations in their own marriage, so they're always left to wonder, am I growing or am I not growing? Am I growing or am I not growing? Am I where I'm supposed to be or am I not where I'm supposed to be? These milestones, they give parents a way to address the spiritual and developmental needs. So when you go back and you have a conversation about maybe maybe in the past, maybe your child has made the wise choice when it comes to not hanging out with a certain type of person who's going to change their behavior, whatever the case may be. That you'd be able to sit back and say, no, no, no. Remember, you don't have to doubt everything because right here you, you've already shown maturity. Your kids want to know that they're growing Spiritually, they want to know that they're becoming mature. And the older they get, the more that we have to tell them. These milestones, it gives, it gives you a way to communicate. It gives you a plan. And also, it gives you a way to, to address spiritual and developmental needs. And we need that. We need that. All of us do. We need these milestones to say, well, what is, what is worth celebrating? Let's just stop there for what is worth so what what could I what milestones could be there? Your parents making the right choices, or excuse me, when your kids parents, when your kids make the right choice, that's a milestone. You you should if you journal it, if you whatever, you know, you journal or however you you 
however you record it, put it in your phone, put it on paper, whatever. They make the right choice. Man, you put that down. You encourage that behavior. You, you, you express that. That's a way of dressing, addressing spiritual and developmental needs. When you see the character that is not befitting Christ, then you go because you, you have a precedent of these milestones that you brought before them. You've, you've affirmed their spiritual maturity. Now you, you come forward with the Word of God and you say, this, this is what you can do. And, and they have a sense of belief that God can bring them through it because they've already made it through some milestones. Church attendance is not a milestone. It's not. Sorry, it's not. Church attendance is not enough. Just being here is not enough. Um, it, it's a matter of, of walking your kids through life and teaching them to have a walk with the risen Jesus. These milestones help us. Another thing milestones do is they give a way for the parents and teenagers to stay connected through the growth years. And they want to know how well they're doing. I get it from my kids all the time. They want to know, do you think I'm growing up? Why is it that, that your kids, they, when they go to a measuring tape, what do they do? They go up to like a measuring tape or they go to the wall. And, and many of you maybe even have this in your house. You have this, this place in your doorway where you put a little, a little uh, pencil mark on the doorway because your kids want to know, hey, am I growing up? Your kids ever do that? Am I growing up? And another way that, that my kids do it is they try and measure themselves against dad. Now, dad's only about 5'7", so that's not a whole way to go, but, you know. But they're, trying, they're, they're, they're wanting to know. They're wanting to be affirmed. Am I growing up? Am I doing the right thing? Am I becoming who I'm supposed to be? And it takes parents and the cooperation of the church to teach them that. To teach them that. So it gives... Parents, a way to address the spiritual and developmental needs. It gives, uh, the milestones also give a way for the parents and teenagers to stay connected, to stay connected. Because the growth years are difficult. And they want to know they're doing the right thing. And we have to affirm them. When you see them making wise choices, when you, see them, when you see them studying the Bible on their own, when you see them praying on their own, when you see them being compassionate towards someone else on their own, those are all milestones worthy of celebrating. And if you affirm them enough, through the, the parent and, and teenage years and, and all of the difficulty that comes in those years, you'll be able to stay connected because you've affirmed them, because you've acknowledged their growth, and because that they know that they're loved and they're reminded that they don't have to work for it. Now here at the church, we do some things. I'm, just for a couple of moments, I'm going to allow you to look behind the curtain a little bit as to what we do at the church. Activities at the church are, are kind of broken into three different, three different things. In the preschool years, um, we, we conceptually, we try and keep everything in the preschool years, um, we, we kind of make it simple with, with just words. In the preschool years, it, we want them to, to build a wonder for God. So wonder is what we try and build. And in those years, um, 
types of things that we teach them, and we want them to know as they progress out of those years, is God made me. And in, in that, they learn that God made them with a purpose. They learn that, that they, as Ephesians 2.10 says, that they are God's masterpiece. And then they also learn that God created them for a purpose, which that scripture says right after that. They also learn that God loves them, that God created the whole world. Even in, in the, the preschool years here at the church, they, they hear the gospel. They hear about this, this, this God, this Jesus, this, the Son of God who came to earth in, in the early, early years. Because we want that to be the very foundation of their belief. Not church activity. Not church affiliation. But Jesus. So we teach them the gospel at an early, early age. The second thing is this. We try and build just a heart of discovery. Discovery. We want them, and it takes it to another level. In the discovery years, and, and this would be in DBC Kids, this is from kindergarten to fifth grade. It teaches them things like, I need to do something with the gospel. Not that just the, that Jesus died, but it, re, it requires me to do something with it. That it requires me to do something with it. If Jesus died, that's, that, he, that is enough for us to be okay with our Heavenly Father. But if we don't do something with it, then it hasn't been made personal to us. And then the, the discovery years. In DBC Kids, we kind of teach them these things. Another thing is we teach them that I can trust God no matter what. How many of us need reminded that right now? That I can trust God no matter what. No matter what. Another thing they learn is I need to make the wise choice at all times. That I need to make the wise choice at all times. It seems so simplistic, but if you think about these phrases, they, they're reaching into every aspect of their life, and they would reach into every aspect of our lives as well. Another thing they learn is that I should treat others the way that I want to be treated. Sounds very biblical, doesn't it? And then arise in the student ministries from middle school to senior high. The word for that. So we've gone from wonder and preschool discovery in elementary. And now in the later years, we want to teach them and we want them to know that and just to build this passion within their hearts for Jesus. And that yes, God made them, that it requires us to do something with it. And now in the passion years, we teach them to give their life to it. Not just a little segment of their life and tear off a little piece and say, Jesus, here's, here's this, but to give their whole life to it. That's the passion stage. That they were created for more. And this is Ephesians 2.10, that they were in all of these things, they, they all are interwoven and they connect. And, and it's that from Ephesians 2.10, that they're God's masterpiece. But the last part of that verse is that they were created unto Jesus for good works. That builds passion. That they're not, just, they're not just here on earth to exist, they're here on earth to live and to speak truth into the broken world that is around us. To bring hope to the hopeless. To bring, to bring peace to the restless. I wish I would have had that whenever I was in my teenage years. I wish I would have had that. Maybe you did. Maybe you're, you're 
very blessed in that, but I was not. I was left a lot of, with a lot of questions that I didn't have answers to. Unfortunately, there's a statistic, and I realize not all statistics are valid, but um, this one, um, I, I believe once you see it, you will also agree. This statistic says this, and this will be on the screen. 65 to 80% of people who grew up in church today drop out of church when they become college-aged. That is an astounding statistic. And I have to tell you, as, as the pastor of this church, and I tell you from, from the ministry team that's assembled here, we will not live up to that statistic by the power of God in this church. We will not. We are not okay with statistics. We want to blow that statistic up. That's what we want to do. We don't want our church just to be like every other church. And we're resigned to make a difference the very best way that we can. But for us to do that, it takes a partnership between you and between me. In closing, I want to tell you a little story. Suppose, for instance, that you were to go um, to a place, and this place, they were, they were giving a seminar on mountain climbing. Right? You're going to go into the place and you're going, to, you're going to bring your kids into this place. And it's a seminar on mountain climbing. Very charismatic leader. He, he's, he's climbed many mountains. Has an impeccable memory of all the mountains he's climbed. He could tell you about, about the slope of the mountain. He could tell you exactly where to put your hand and where to put your foot as you're climbing the mountain. He could even go to the, to the details and tell you exactly what the air felt like, the cool air felt like at the top of the mountain. That'd be pretty cool, right? Maybe, maybe he even went the extra mile to where, to where he, he said, you know what? And maybe he, was, he even he brought in a prop and he said, Man, this is the very backpack I used when I climbed whatever mountain. And people would listen. People would probably even gather. Maybe even some people who weren't necessarily even interested in mountain climbing. But they would gather. But let me ask you this. Do you think they would remember that ten years later? Do you think they would remember that time? What would happen if that, that mountain climber giving the seminar with you and your family, said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the same seminar, but instead of just meeting in a place like this, we're actually going to go up to the mountain, and I want you to gear up a little bit, and what we're going to do is we're actually going to go up to the mountain, and, and we're actually going to talk while we do it. So he invites you to the mountain with him, and you're there. You're getting dirty. You're having to think about, where am I putting my hands? Where am I putting my feet? Man, I'm sweating. This is so much harder than I thought it would be. And that we would get to the, to, the, to the top, to the summit of that mountain, and that we ourselves would be able to breathe in that air. That would be pretty memorable, wouldn't it? That would be much more memorable 
than simply talking about it. But if they brought you to the mountain, it would be so much better. You know, in church, we're left with a choice. See, we come together every Sunday. We come together every Sunday. Many of you are very diligent to bring your kids. And you come here every Sunday and you listen to me talk about mountain climbing. You do. You listen to me talking about the Bible and share stories from the Bible and and not just stories but truth from the Bible. But I want to tell you something that's much more memorable than that. Is that if you would leave this place after hearing about mountain climbing, about hearing about how good God is, maybe as you leave this place that you would take your kids and that you would open the Bible to them and then that they would know and they would experience God themselves instead of through someone else. What I'm saying is this. We all have a choice to make. You want to make a difference in your kids' lives. But you are not, 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 not going to make the difference in your kids' lives unless you take them to the mountain yourselves.